Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We usually stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays at docwashburnshow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 103 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. Coming up, Dementia Joe announces he's cutting off our importation of Russian oil. What will that do to us? But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen, whether Sarah Huckabee Sanders will admit it or not. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, I'm running for governor of the state of Arkansas because Arkansans are tired of rhinos. If you would like to support my campaign to win the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas and hence the general election in the fall, it's real easy. Just go to our website, electdocwashburn.com. You're allowed to give anywhere from zero up to $2,900 per person, and we appreciate it. All right, so shortly before I began this live stream today, which for many people listening will be a podcast later on, Dementia Joe came out. And I got to tell you, even though he's got dementia, he knows what he's doing. And he knows how this will affect American consumers. Today, I'm announcing the United States is targeting the main artery of Russia's economy. We're banning all imports of Russian oil and gas and energy. That means Russian oil will no longer be acceptable at U.S. ports, and the American people will deal another powerful blow to Putin's war machine. I see. What about the powerful blow you're going to deal to American consumers at the gas pump. Have you noticed it's going up? Have you noticed it's going up? And no amount of lying from this guy is going to change that. You know he's causing it. I know he's causing it. All right, but wait, there's more. It goes something like this. Look, let me be clear about uh, two other points. First, it's simply not true that my administration or policies are holding back domestic energy production. That's simply not true. You know, Bill Clinton was an artful liar. Barack Obama was an artful liar, but I don't know, man. 
this guy may top them all. As the great Jack Posobiec over at uh, Human Events says, you still don't get it. They want your gas going up. You are being played. He knows exactly what he's doing. Oh, by the way, hat tip to Charlie Spearing, White House correspondent for Breitbart. Joe Biden says that increasing oil in the United States will not help, but buying electric cars will. Here's the quote. This is the goal we should be racing to. Now, comedian Tim Young, Washington Times columnist, reminds us electric vehicles are not powered by clean energy. They're powered by coal. And the poisonous elements in their batteries come from mines with slave-like labor over in China. Right? Got it? Gas prices have been rising. They went up on an average nationally of $1.14 per gallon before Putin hit Ukraine because Biden closed the Keystone XL pipeline. You know what I'm saying? And he has absolutely no intention, no intention of opening that back up. As a great columnist, Keddy Pavlich, says, before the narrative gets too carried away, gas prices aren't up because the White House is banning Russian oil. They're up because Joe Biden campaigned on an energy transition away from oil and launched a war on domestic U.S. production. That's true. But by banning Russian oil, they'll go up further. Okay? Yeah, I heard a guy named uh, Stephen Colbert. When David Letterman retired, Stephen Colbert got his time slot on CBS News and the Ed Sullivan Theater. And I'm not going to play you the audio of his voice because it's bad enough having to listen to uh, Biden. But last night he said, Today, the average gas price in America hit an all-time record high of over $4 per gallon. He says, okay, that stings, but a clean conscience is worth a buck or two. It's important. I'm willing to pay $4 a gallon. Hell, I'll pay $15 a gallon because I drive a Tesla. Clean conscience, huh? Clean conscience. You support the pro-abortion party, and you say you have a clean conscience. Anyway... Journalist Glenn Greenwald, can I get it right? Anyway, journalist Glenn Greenwald responded, Stephen Colbert, who earns $15 million per year from CBS and has a net worth approaching $100 million, says it's worth it to endure higher gas prices so that you have a clean conscience. Apparently, the way to get a clean conscience is to stop buying oil from Russia and buy it instead from Saudi Arabia, which with help from... America and the Brits, and along with Iran, has been waging a hideous war in Yemen that for some odd reason gets little attention. See, I, I, I go back to it. I go back to what I said the other day. There have been a lot of wars in the last 20 or 30 years in this old world, and a lot of people killed. 
But this is the one they want you to care about, Ukraine. Not Yemen, where people have been slaughtered there. Not Nigeria, where people continue to be slaughtered. Not even when the Russians, Russians went into Georgia or Chechnya or Crimea, any of that. No, 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 Ukraine. Ukraine. That's the one they want you to care about. And uh, I want to get into that in a minute, but my buddy Rising Serpent over at Twitter says, do you understand how hard it is to break records in existence for four decades for inflation, gas prices, illegal immigration, crime, energy crises, international strife and racial animus in just one year without having an entire government dedicated 24-7 to making to making it happen? Well, see, that's exactly. That's exactly what's going on. Now, I'm, I'm going to get to the, no, no, I'm aware of it. I'm going to get to the Wall Street Journal op-ed entitled Biden's Bizarre Oil P- Diplomacy. I'm going to get to that uh, coming up. Because good grief. It's... uh. It's jacked up. Let me see. Yeah, we got to sign in. You got to subscribe. But you know, every once in a while, Wall Street Journal has something that I just, I can't, I've got to share with you. I got to pass it on to you. You know what I'm saying? So we'll get to that in a minute. Um, now, let's look at this. Jeff Carlson over at the epictimes.com. Jeff Carlson over at the epictimes.com. Oh, wait, no, before I get to that, I got to share this with you. A reporter asks one of the Democrat leaders in the U.S. House. This uh, Jeffries guy. What is his first name? Hakeem. Hakeem Jeffries. I knew it was some kind of uh, Arabic thing. Ask him a question about the high gas prices. Here we go. Um, obviously, if this happens, we're going to see gas prices likely increase. Um, what is the thinking within your caucus about how to deal with that issue specifically? Um, and what is... What has been the reaction of your colleagues to, you know, things like diplomatic outreach to countries like Venezuela and Saudi Arabia in terms of, like, increasing the global oil supply? Yeah, that issue hasn't come up, but I think increasing the global oil supply uh, at the moment uh, to the extent uh, that there are implications, particularly for Europe, uh, which is more heavily reliant upon Russian oil than we are here in the United States of America, um, you know, is an important discussion. What? 
Did you get that? The reporter says, what's the thinking within the Democrat caucus about how to deal with high gas prices? And this moron says that issue hasn't come up. Okay. We'll see you in November. Okay. That's just remarkable. By the way, the great Adam Credo, senior writer, foreign policy, and national security for the Washington Free Beacon, had this yesterday, just in. Russia says it teamed with Tehran and Beijing to win major U.S. concessions on Iran nuclear deal, and Iran got much more than it could expect, according to the top Russian negotiator. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? All right, all right, Jeff Carlson, the Epic Times. He's got a clip from Lindsey Graham in Ukraine in 2016, okay? With uh, his buddy, John McCain, standing right there with him. fight is our fight. Wait a minute, your fight is our fight? He's saying this six years ago in Ukraine? Back it up. Fight is our fight. 2017 will be the year of offense. All of us will go back to Washington and we will push the case against Russia. Enough of a Russian aggression. It is time for them to pay a heavier price. I believe you will win. I am convinced you will win, and we will do everything we can to provide you with what you need to win. Okay, that's John McCain. Okay, the first response to this, when this went up on uh, on Twitter before dawn Sunday morning, was someone saying, it's happening again, Fox guests calling for war, saying they're okay with it. Poland is NATO. If NATO Poland transfers jets to Ukraine, then by default the USA will be at war with Russia, and they are now on the brink of sending jets. Either NATO flies jets into Ukraine, or Ukraine picks up and flies jets from NATO. You see... I've already told you many times, I'll never call Biden president. I'll never call Biden president. He's the usurper. They stole, they stole it. Nobody voted for this. Nobody voted for this. So why do Biden and his handlers want World War III with a nuclear power. <clears throat> Have y'all thought about that? I mean, there's only one country in the whole world that ever dropped nuclear bombs on anybody, and that's when we 
went after Hiroshima and Nagasaki to end World War II in Japan, right? But there are a number of countries that still have nukes. One of them is um, Russia. And Lindsey Graham, none other than Lindsey Graham, has called for Russians to assassinate their prime minister, Vladimir Putin. And if we are providing military jets, fighter jets, through Poland to Ukraine, what is it going to take for Russia to say, okay, let's do it? I don't know if you've thought about this, because it is inconceivable that we would go to war with a nuclear power, right? It's inconceivable. That's one of the main reasons that for generations we've tried to avoid war with countries that have nukes. Whether you're talking about Russia or China or North Korea, it's one of the main reasons that uh, Americans don't want Iran to have nukes because we believe that Iran will use nukes because they don't believe in mutually assured destruction, the MAD theory, mutually assured destruction. The idea has always been that Russia would not nuke us and we would not nuke them because that would mean the total destruction of both countries. But I'm not so sure that's still the case. If, God forbid, Russia were to launch one nuke against us, I mean, for all I know, Putin and Biden are in cahoots with each other. But I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me. Because Democrat presidents going all the way back to Bill Clinton have been trying to use Ukraine to goad Putin and Russia. But if Russia were to launch one nuke against us, then Biden and company would probably call martial law for the rest of our lives. And if Russia, God forbid, did launch one nuke against us, and it hit a very red area of this country, then I would be certain, instead of Biden and company trying to uh, upset Putin, I would be certain that they would be in cahoots with Putin. But yeah, that'd be all the excuse that Biden and company would need, the regime would need, for martial law for the rest of our lives if Russia launched a nuke on us. So there's an old saying, something along the lines of, never assign to... um, evil intent, what can be easily excused as incompetence. But I don't know with these guys. There's plenty of evil intent. There's plenty of evil intent. God forbid that Russia would launch a nuke on us. But, um, See, Biden and team 
Obama, Valerie Jarrett, Susan Rice, they're playing with fire. I really don't think they want a nuke to hit Washington, D.C., you know? I don't know, fam. I can't call this one. But if Russia, God forbid, were to nuke us one place, like a real red area like Florida, then I would know. And, you know, instead of D.C., I would know that Biden was in cahoots to Putin. Right now, it just looks like Biden and team are idiots who are needlessly trying to rile him up. You know what I'm saying? Let's see. What else do we have here from Jeff Carlson over at the EpicTimes.com? Um, he's linking to the Business Insider. John McCain met with ultra-nationalist Ukrainian leader Ole Tionibuk in the lead-up to the 2014 coup, a man accused of being an anti-Semitic neo-Nazi. Then Vice President Joe Biden met with the same guy shortly thereafter in April 2014. June of 2017, Andriy Perubi, co-founder of the fascist Social National Party of Ukraine, was inexplicably invited to Washington where he met with a number of American politicians, including John McCain and then-House Speaker Paul Ryan. I got a picture of uh, Paul Ryan here with this guy. Renewing interparliamentary ties with the folks in Ukraine. You know, this whole Ukraine deal, this goes way back, you know. It goes way back before the current situation. I mean... Ukraine has been uh, a place where our elites have laundered money going way back, right? So the Cold War, we thought had been over for decades, and we'd be getting along okay with Russia, and, and, and what happened? Former Attorney General William Barr has a new book out. And it's called One Damn Thing After Another. And he was on the Brett Bear on Fox yesterday. And he made a startling admission. It goes like this. Russia Gate. I think Russia Gate was not only a uh, you know a despicable, dirty trick that that uh, hobbled the first part of uh, uh, the president's administration, uh, but it also uh, affected a great damage to the United States. Russia Gate essentially froze the Trump administration from engaging with Russia. Okay, Hans Monkey over at the EpicTimes.com says. William Barr is the first D.C. establishment guy to articulate what people like Lee Smith and Jeff Carlson 
and I have been saying, which is that there is a direct path from Hillary's Russiagate hoax to the current situation in Ukraine. Will anyone else pick this up? And he's got the quote here. From an article they did a while back, Clinton campaign's Russiagate hoax further impaired Russia relations. And just a, a few poll quotes. It was against this political backdrop with Ukraine destabilized and Russia angered by a U.S.-backed coup that Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign made the faithful decision to accuse Russia of interfering in the 2016 presidential election for the purposes of helping then-candidate Donald Trump. Clinton and her campaign's politically driven accusations further impaired already strained U.S.-Russia relations and the impact from her actions are being felt to this day. The use of Russia for the attack on Trump was two-pronged. First, the Clinton campaign hired British ex-spy Christopher Steele to write a fabricated dossier that portrayed Trump as a compromised puppet of the Kremlin in order to provide backing for the dossier's claims. Operatives created a false data trail that purported to show communications between Trump and the Kremlin. In doing so, the Clinton campaign's operatives fabricated false evidence of collusion between a candidate for president and the Kremlin. These actions would continue after Trump became president, as evidenced by a Clinton campaign lawyer's visit to the CIA to hand over more data from these same operatives in February 2017, as revealed in a court filing by special counsel John Durham. But it wasn't only the political campaign of Clinton that was making these accusations. The intelligence community, acting in a dangerous geopolitical game, assisted the Clinton campaign by backing her claims that Russia was interfering in our elections in order to help Trump. The Clinton campaign's creation of the false Trump-Russia collusion narrative, which culminated in the inclusion of Steele's fictitious dossier in an official intelligence community assessment, effectively tied Trump's hands with respect to dealing with Russia, raising serious national security implications. Got it? So, that having been said, Oh, this is great. I'm getting the uh, something went wrong with Twitter and and hit the retry button. Well, we'll see, won't we? We'll see what works and what doesn't work. Okay. I just opened a link to something, so... So, maybe it's just Twitter itself that's goofed up. Okay. All right. Well, no, that I mean, no, you don't want Twitter to be goofed up because that's where people who do talk shows get their show prep. But it's better than the whole uh, internet being goofed up. I mean, I'd hate to have to admit I broke the internet again. Anyway, Daniel Horowitz over the blaze says, all the Republicans that fueled war even more enthusiastically than Biden have an obligation to hold up the budget bill until we get what we want on domestic energy production. 
They can't throw us into oncoming traffic without ensuring we have a solution. Okay? Right, 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 right. Now, let me go to the Wall Street Journal's op-ed, Biden's Bizarre Oil Diplomacy. So we'll get to that in just a second. First, I want to express our appreciation for our advertisers. You know, whether you're doing a live stream slash podcast like I am, or whether you're doing local or nationally syndicated talk radio, um, you can only make a living with advertisers. And so we appreciate our advertisers. I'll just tell you, if you tried to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they will drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. I mean, Red River experts are still right here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. So you browse their selection online. You see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically, so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. And, of course, I mean, if you're in central Arkansas... You could just go to one of their car lots in Cabot or Malvern or Heber Springs. They have a Toyota dealership over in Wynn, Arkansas. But if you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door anywhere in the continental United States, no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com is the way to do it, and you will be glad you did. Boy, I sure am. I'm glad I got bought a car there recently. 2013 Honda Accord, uh, only 85,000 miles. I got a great deal. Great deal. Speaking of getting great deals, I think we got the short end of the stick when Nancy Pelosi and crew jammed Obamacare down our throats. Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you log on to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, the first thing you see is big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums 
personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays, and then the big, beautiful red button, schedule call now. When you hit that button, you're able to book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. He'll also make sure that your personalized health coverage does not force you to cover something horrible like abortion, which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs like some of those Obamacare plans do. Anyway, the website, myfamilyhealthplan.com, affordable plan, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Hit the big red button, schedule call now, get that free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn, who makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at myfamilyhealthplan.com. All right, now, We go to the Wall Street Journal's op-ed. This morning's Wall Street Journal, Biden's bizarre oil diplomacy. Subtitle, he courts Venezuela and the Saudis, but not U.S. or Canadian producers. I absolutely will not read the first two words of this op-ed. Dementia Joe does not deserve to have the word president in front of his name. So whenever it says those two words together, I guess I'll just say Dementia Joe. All right, let's do it. Wall Street Journal, this morning's paper. Dementia Joe is scrambling to contain soaring oil prices, which closed at more than $123 a barrel on Monday. It speaks volumes about this administration that it's seeking help from Vladimir Putin's client in Venezuela and our estranged Saudi allies rather than U.S. shale producers or our Canadian friends. Well, it sure does. Press Secretary Jim Psaki on Monday acknowledged reports the administration had sent emissaries to Caracas, Venezuela, to discuss so-called energy security. The administration may ease sanctions on Venezuela oil to replace lost Russian supply, which buyers are shunning, due to sanctions risk. Trump administration early 2019 sanctioned Venezuela state oil company PDVSA to squeeze Nicolas Maduro's brutal regime, which has impoverished Venezuela, persecuted political opponents, and sent millions of refugees across the region. But Venezuela continues to pump about 800,000 barrels a day with help from Russia and Iran. The Venezuelan has returned the favor by supporting Vladimir Putin's war on Ukraine and denouncing the West's so-called economic war against the Russian people. Well, it is an economic war against the Russian people. So easing Venezuelan sanctions would be a strategic blunder that provides a financial lifeline to Maduro while doing little to ease the oil price spike. Venezuelan oil companies say they can increase production by several hundred thousand barrels a day in eight months. The war in Ukraine may be over by then. Axios also reports the usurper, Dementia Joe, is considering a personal visit to Saudi Arabia to catch up to patch up relations with the crown prince whom Mr. Biden made a show of disdaining when he took office. At the same time, oh, that was a great idea, by the way. At the same time, the administration has been seeking a rapprochement with Iran, which has backed 
Houthi rebels in Yemen waging war against the Kingdom of Yemen and the United Arab Emirates, not the Kingdom of Yemen, I'm sorry, Kingdom of uh, Saudi Arabia and the UAE. The Saudis and UAE are the only OPEC members that appear to have spare capacity, but they have rebuffed Biden's pleas to increase supply. One reason is they don't want to alienate Putin, who's become a power broker in the Middle East. Gee, I wonder how that happened. Biden should never have alienated the Saudis, but we'd be much better off if he simply encouraged U.S. energy production. And guess why he'll never do that? Because he's not our president. He is an agent of a foreign state. He's trying to bring us to our knees. Anyway, they wrap up the Wall Street Journal op-ed this morning saying, shale producers can increase production twice as fast as Venezuelan oil companies, and the profits would go to U.S. workers and shareholders rather than another dictatorship. Yeah, but see, Dementia Joe, he's got this thing for dictators. I ain't going to lie, fam. He really does on the for reals. All right. Now, let's get a little bit more here because it's outrageous what is going on. It's absolutely outrageous what's going on. The great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness said, hard to remember a time when I covered anything other than January 6th, but here's my column from February 2020 about Biden's Ukraine hustle. Well, let's check this out. It's entitled, Joe Biden, Ukraine and Burisma's Sugar Daddy, subtitled, No One Has Challenged a Former Vice President to Account for the Billions of U.S. Tax Dollars He Pumped into Ukraine for His Own Personal and Political Gain. How Did Biden's Involvement Gild His Largely Disastrous Foreign Policy Legacy Before His Latest Run for President? Well, good question. Again, now, this is, this is two years ago. Over two years ago, February 3rd, 2020, Julie Kelly in American Greatness. And she says, if Joe Biden fails to win the White House this year, perhaps he can run for president of Ukraine. After all, Ukrainians owe him big time. As the White House's point man in Ukraine during Barack Obama's second term, Biden acted more like he owned the place, threatening to withhold aid, forcing government officials to be fired, forming special agencies to portray himself as a fighter of international government corruption. According to a profile on Biden in Foreign Policy magazine a few weeks before the 2016 presidential election, quote, no one in the U.S. government has wielded more influence over Ukraine than Vice President Joe Biden. Ukraine's government has relied heavily on its direct channel to the U.S. Vice President and Biden's departure will leave a gaping hole. See, for three years, capitalizing on the country's political upheaval and armed with congressional authorization to lead yet another nation-building exercise, the vice president drove the gravy train between Washington and Kiev, or as they say over there, Kiev. That train, laden with goodies courtesy of unsuspecting American taxpayers, 
not heavier as Obama's presidency due to a close. Ukrainian officials were so worried about losing Biden and gaining Donald Trump, they engaged in their own election chicanery in 2016. Oh, wait. Seriously? Really? While Biden's son, Hunter, is the main target, of the president's defenders, and again, this is February 3rd, 2020, she's talking about Trump, and some of the more fair-minded journalists, the senior Biden also deserves plenty of scrutiny for the billions in American tax dollars he doled out to a nation rife with corruption, political unrest, and no mechanism to account for how those funds would be spent. President Trump has been impeached for briefly delaying appropriated funds to Ukraine last year, 2019. Yet Biden has faced no questions on the campaign trail about his key role in directing huge sums of U.S. aid to Ukraine when he was vice president. So here are the numbers. In 2014, Ukraine received about $190 million in U.S. aid, which was the average amount for years. That figure spiked dramatically after Russia's incursion into the eastern part of the country and Biden became the go-to guy. According to a recent congressional report, again, this is February 2020, quote, Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the United States has provided higher levels of annual assistance to Ukraine, non-military, non-humanitarian development aid, total an average of $320 million a year from fiscal year 2015 to fiscal year 2018. In addition, the United States provided three $1 billion loan guarantees to Ukraine, from 24 to 2016. Oh, my goodness. Julie Kelly says that's not all. The U.S. Defense Department has allocated $1.5 billion in so-called security assistance to Ukraine since 2014. The money has been spent on, quote, additional training, equipment, and advisory effects to build the capacity of Ukraine's armed forces, unquote. Our generosity didn't end there. Over the past five years, we've dedicated roughly $200 million in humanitarian aid, too. By 2016, thanks to Biden's close attention to the dysfunctional country's internal affairs, he traveled there six times, Ukraine had jumped to the top ten list of America's biggest foreign aid recipients. As Ukraine's American sugar daddy, Biden had his pet projects, which also just happened to intersect with some of his familial interests. Between 2014 and 2016, nearly $75 million in U.S. aid was specifically earmarked for energy development in Ukraine. During his trip to Kiev in April 2014, shortly after the country's president was ousted from office and he fled to Russia, Biden expressed America's solidarity with a crisis-torn and notoriously corrupt country. He announced an American aid package ostensibly to to prepare the country for its upcoming presidential election, which was slated for the following month. But the vice president did not travel alone. A team of American energy experts tagged along on the junket. According to the Washington Post, they were assigned with finding a plan to halt Ukraine's reliance on Russian oil. Oh, I see. So the Washington Post reported... But the new U.S. support to be announced by Biden will focus on economic expertise, which will emerge from an assessment now being conducted by a U.S. team here on shifting Ukraine's Russian-dependent energy supply toward one that 
relies more on domestic and Eastern European gas production. Over the longer term, the U.S. government will work with Ukraine to help the government increase domestic gas production. Well, I'm sure they would have if Trump was president, but not now. No, no, not with Biden in there. Julie Kelly continues, in a speech alongside Ukraine's acting prime minister, Biden pledged more help in bolstering Ukraine's energy production. He said, more teams are coming to support long-term improvement so that no nation, let me be precise, so that Russia can no longer use energy as a political weapon. That same month, Burisma, Ukraine's largest private gas provider, hired Hunter Biden as a board member for somewhere between $50,000 and $83,000 a month. But Biden didn't just commit American tax dollars to his Ukrainian-based power trip. Under Biden's direction, leaders in the European Union brokered a massive bailout for Ukraine. Vice President Biden at the time helped negotiate a $17.5 billion aid package from the International Monetary Fund, which was approved in May 2014. There was a catch, however. In order to secure the funds, gas prices on Ukrainian consumers would increase by 50% with more hikes continuing into 2018. Why do they want gas going up in Ukraine? Wow. Burisma, to repeat, is the largest private natural, natural gas producer and provider in Ukraine. In May 2014, globetrotting Biden made a three-day stop in Cyprus, the senior-most U.S. official to visit the island nation in 50 years. During his visit, Biden met with the country's president to discuss, among other items, the situation in Ukraine. Biden said Cyprus was poised to become a global hub for natural gas markets. Burisma, while based in Ukraine, is registered in Cyprus. Biden's generosity on behalf of U.S. taxpayers and shadow lobbying for Burisma quickly paid off. Ukraine stopped buying natural gas from Russia in 2015. By 2017, Burisma had increased its production of natural gas by roughly 50%. The well-connected company, which now attracts dignitaries like the Prince of Monaco at corporate events, is rapidly expanding its energy infrastructure in Ukraine and seeking new markets around the world. So, it looks like Burisma got its money's worth in hiring Hunter Biden, right? But American taxpayers, not so much. Over the past few months, remember now, this is written in February 3rd, 2020. She says, over the past few months, we've heard from scores of national security and diplomatic experts who insist the people of Ukraine are entitled to our resources. Democrat Congressman Adam Schiff, California, even claimed that the Ukrainian aid was necessary so that America can fight a stealth war with Russia over there instead of here. But there's no proof any of it's true. Julie Kelly concludes by saying, and amid all the questions and all the teeth gnashing and all the chest thumping and all the pearl clutching about what a treacherous President Donald Trump is for demanding some measure of accountability for how our money is being used in a country teeming with institutional and political rot. Wow. Now led by a political novice and former comedian. Wow. No one has challenged Joe Biden to account for the billions in U.S. tax dollars he pumped into Ukraine for his own personal and political gain. 
How did his interference in Ukraine's affairs harm America's long-term interests? How did his involvement gild his largely disastrous foreign policy legacy before his own run for president? Perhaps all along we've been asking questions about the wrong Biden. Wow. That's Julie Kelly from February 3rd, 2020, over at American Greatness, amgreatness.com, article entitled, Joe Biden, Ukraine and Burisma's Sugar Daddy. Strong stuff. Strong stuff there. Not going to lie, fam. But um, I just felt it my duty. I felt it incumbent upon me to share that with you. Now, again, EPA Administrator Michael Regan, handsome-looking young fella in a nice suit, got in front of some microphones yesterday and said this. Under President Biden and Vice President Harris's leadership, we're pressing the accelerator to reach a zero-emissions future sooner than most people thought. EPA's two announcements today are about seizing the opportunity that technology presents and driving towards a cleaner, healthier, more just future for all of our children. The first of the first of these is EPA's clean truck proposal. 72 million people are estimated to live near truck freight routes in America. And they're more likely people of color and those with lower income. Those overburdened communities are directly exposed to pollution that leads to respiratory and cardiovascular problems, among other serious and costly health effects. As directed by President Biden's executive order, EPA is proposing new ambitious standards to significantly reduce emissions from smog and soot-forming nitrogen oxides from heavy-duty gasoline and diesel engines used on the nation's roads and highways. This will ensure that the portions of the heavy-duty fleet that continue to rely on the internal combustion engine during the transition to cleaner alternatives will deliver much-needed protections to our most vulnerable communities. Uh, Hint, they don't want to protect anybody. That's number one. Number two, the great uh, Rita Panahi over on Twitter says, without nuclear energy, this means astronomically high prices and plummeting living standards. Yes. Yes, it certainly does. It certainly does. And, and, it's on purpose. Not even going to lie, fam, it is on purpose. Another person here on uh, Twitter says, almost as if skyrocketing gas prices are happening with administration approval and support. Yes. It's on purpose. Look, I'm old enough to remember Donald Trump back in 2020 saying Joe Biden will bring you $7 gas. It's already there in California. And don't be surprised if it's coming to the rest of the states really soon. I went to Costco yesterday. Now, when Costco moved into Little Rock, Arkansas, they had a gas war with Sam's Club, and it got down to like two thirty nine a gallon. It was like forty or fifty 
cents a gallon more at convenience stores, right? But uh, yesterday, gas at Costco was three forty nine. Three forty nine. I told my wife it's going to be. That means it's going to be four dollars a gallon, like within the next couple of days at the convenience stores. Know what I'm saying? That's a that's strong stuff right there. That's strong stuff. Look, we're so thankful for our uh, advertisers. Let me uh, mention a couple of them to you. My buddy Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton, Benton, Arkansas. Justin's a former insurance adjuster, left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he sure helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents in 2019. He's and he's helping me out with the most recent one, December 17, 2021, when I was rear-ended at full speed on Colonel Glen Road in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, the Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. Insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. Justin used to be one of them. He knows all the tricks of the insurance trade. So, whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin meant to make sure the mental law firm always works hard for you. So whether you're hurt in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, I want to help you by telling you about the best-kept secret in American health care. So let's try a little test here. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain, back pain, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar? Okay, now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you naturally lean to one side or the other? I mean, for that matter, when you're eating dinner with friends and you're talking in a relaxed manner with friends, having a good time, are you leaning to the left or the right while you're talking to your friends? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and neck pain. Here's how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, your circulatory system, your reproductive system, your digestive system. And, yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, blood sugar problems, all kinds of issues. Do yourself a favor. Call my friends. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, but you're like, hey, it sounds like something I need to look into. 
Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I hope there is one. Turnmypoweron.com has helped me, my wife, and so many people that we know. All right. Newsflash. Chicago mother, 32, who became the face of Chicago teachers' unions, pushed to keep schools closed after they claimed she died of COVID, caught from a student. According to the medical examiner, she actually drank herself to death. And, of course, UK Daily Mail, because American media is all paid off, right? 32-year-old Denisha Henry died in September 2021 from what Chicago Teachers Union said was COVID-19. Another woman, 44-year-old Shanitha Curry, died the day before Denisha Henry. And the union stated that both women caught COVID from students at Jensen Elementary. Teachers Union said both mothers had children sent home from quarantined Jensen classrooms and staged a rally demanding the schools close down. Chicago public schools were closed down in January for five days after the union refused to teach in person and in response, the mayor shut the classrooms. The bitter standoff saw 300,000 students in the city go without school, angering parents and students alike. Denisha Henry had become a face of the union's case But on Monday, yesterday, it emerged that she had actually died of alcoholism. Now, Shanitha Curry was unvaccinated and and had underlying medical conditions when she died September 23rd. I don't think the vaccination enters into it because people are dying from the vaccine. But, hey, I'm not supposed to say that, am I? Well, too bad, Cumulus. I got my own show now, and I can say it if I want to. You're not going to censor the truth on the Doc Washburn show anymore. Know what I'm saying? You're not going to censor the truth on the Doc Washburn show anymore. I wasn't too happy when they announced that uh, they're going to fire anybody who refused to get the jab. But I knew that God's word says that God works all things together for the good to them that love him and are called according to his purposes. All right? I knew that. Would I be able to run for governor if I was still, still had to be tied down in an air chair in a studio from 2 to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday? Well, there's no way. The Lord knew what he was doing. The Lord knew what he was doing. He he always does, right? He always does. Okay. Ron DeSantis, the best governor in America. The guy that I want to meet and just listen to and get some pointers if you elect me governor of Arkansas. And, of course, if I win the primary 
over Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and I'm confident I will. Whoever wins the Republican primary is the governor anyway. Ron DeSantis, he got a question from a reporter about something critics of DeSantis are calling the uh, the anti-gay bill. And DeSantis just pretty much handed this guy's gluteus maximus to him, if I may use that term in President Company. It went something like this. Does it say that in the bill? Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because you are pushing false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. Well, it says it bans classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. For who? For, for, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. And we're going to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. So the liberals in Florida are saying it's the don't say gay bill. And there's nothing in the bill about gay anything. It's saying that you can't talk about sex in classrooms with pre-K through third grade. It should be called the anti-groomer bill. Because anybody that wants to talk to your kid, your five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kid about sex in a public school classroom with you not there, they're trying to groom them. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Run on that one. Run on that one, Democrats. Feel free. Run on that one. Now, there's a guy named Bryce Mitchell. I don't know if y'all heard of him. But he's from... uh, He's from Arkansas, okay? And um, he's an American mixed martial artist. He's a UFC guy. And uh, he's doing a little press conference. And they're asking him about Ukraine, Right? They're asking him about Ukraine. And I guess it means it's time for this. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online, have delivered your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Bryce Mitchell, MMA guy, UFC guy, asked about the war in Ukraine, and it went like this. Well, I just wanted to get your thoughts on the whole Russia and Ukraine situation. You know, um, 
here's my first thought is I'm not going nowhere to fight none of these wars for these politicians. I'm staying at home, and when the war comes to Arkansas, I will dig my boots in the ground, and I will die for everything I love, and I will not retreat. He's 27 years old. He's a UFC guy, and uh, some sports reporter wants to talk about Ukraine and Russia, and he just knocks it out of the park. If this country's invaded and everybody's saying, well, we got to we gotta evacuate, we got to leave, we got, I will not. I will dig my boots in the Arkansas soil and I will fight for the people that I love, for the land that I love, and the way of life that I love. But I'm not going overseas to fight. I don't know what's going on, to be honest, brother. I really don't. There's so much stuff, and I don't think nobody knows what's going on fully. There's been so much political corruption in that area. You got Biden and his son making a shit ton of money off of um, and using our tax dollars to bribe their people. That's treasonous in my opinion. Uh, so you got Hunter Biden and his son using our tax dollars. Hey, if if Ukrainian government, if you don't do this, we're taking your tax dollars. He shouldn't be giving our tax dollars to that country anyway. We got veterans out here sleeping on the street and you're going to give our freaking tax dollars to these Ukrainians and all the, I, brother, I don't know what's going on over there, but I'm not going over there and fighting, and God bless anybody that's over there fighting, and I hope that this shit just gets solved. And Man, I don't like war. You know what I mean? I don't want people dying and all that stuff. I don't want to be... I don't know what's going on. There's so much stuff that I think that's corrupted that we just don't know what's truly going on over there. And I just... I pray all those people are safe. I apologize for the strong language, but... um, You had a good point. Don't really know what's going on over there. A lot of propaganda. A lot of propaganda going on. And Tucker Carlson was talking about on Fox last night all the nonstop propaganda. And so he wraps the show up and hands it over to the next guy who goes back to the nonstop propaganda. Just so you know. Just so you know, a lot of propaganda. Um, Look, I'm running for governor of Arkansas. My slogan is no more rhinos. We don't want a third, we don't want a third term of, uh, of Mike Huckabee or a third term of Asa Hutchinson. Hang on just a second. Buddy Mons calling me. Hang on just a second. Hey, 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 hey. Hang on just a second. Hey, brother, I'm about to wrap it up. I'll call you back in a few, okay? Yeah, sounds good. Not a problem. All right, appreciate it. Um, tired of this this state being run by Walmart and the Chamber of Commerce. Conservatives legislature try to do something right, and if Walmart tells governor, hey, we don't like that, then got to shut it down. And it's not because it would hurt them financially. It's because it would hurt them in the fields because they're – they're tragically hip. They're woke. All right. Now, I, I got to mention something here real quickly about something that happened on the last episode of the Doc Washburn Show. And a regret that I have. Had a guy on yesterday. He's running for U.S. Congress in Northwest Arkansas. A uh, fellow named Neil Kumar. And, you know, I had heard somebody say, oh, the guy's racist or whatever, and I was trying to kind of get his 
opinion on stuff. And when I said, look, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said he looks forward to the day when people are judged by the content of their character instead of the color of their skin. He's like, yeah, right, I agree, yeah, wouldn't that be great? But unfortunately, you know, there's so many in power that don't want that. I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't sound like racist to me. So um, got an email from a friend last night. And he said, wanted to give you some feedback about Neil Kumar. You need to read his article on a website called Reckonin.com to see his true perspective, which is, that he, which is that he is stuck in the days of the Civil War and the Confederacy. He says in that article that the South has been occupied since 1865 and we need to take back our homeland. And I checked, and that's right, that is what he says. He makes statements advocating fighting as our forefathers did to do this. He's living in a fantasy, revisionist view of the Civil War. Then on his campaign website, he advocates for the repeal of the Civil Rights Act. If you had asked him if slavery was wrong or was the Civil Rights Movement wrong, you probably would have gotten a more accurate view of his positions. So I went and checked out, and sure enough, and so uh, I regret that I didn't do a better job of researching and questioning this guy. I mean, I researched him some, but clearly not as much as my friend who emailed me last night did. And I just, you know, I asked him some questions, and I thought I was going to get some honest answers. <sighs> and maybe maybe in Neil, Neil Kumar's mind, maybe he's thinking I did answer you honestly because you didn't ask me the right questions. I don't know. Anyway, if I would realized he's still stuck in the Confederacy in the Civil War and that he thinks that the South is under occupation since 1865, uh, the uh, tenor of the interview would have gone quite differently. It's 157 years later. Um, I used to think, I used to think, because I had been told, and since Abraham Lincoln didn't sign the Emancipation Proclamation until a couple of years into the Civil War, that the Civil War was not about slavery. It was about the rights of states to be sovereign states, as the founders had intended. And a few years ago, when I was doing my local radio talk show, a caller challenged me. He said, look, what you need to do is you need to look at the statements that the states made when they seceded from the Union in 1861. And you'll see that a lot of them said it was specifically to protect the institution of slavery. I said, oh, okay. Well, I, and so I did, and he was right. So um, it's a bad thing, y'all. It's a really bad thing. So my apologies for not for the interview yesterday, but certainly for the way I conducted it. Somebody's running for, for, for office, a big office. Uh, I'll interview them, but if they have uh, a negative view of history, of how things should be, of their fellow man, then I'm going to challenge them on it. So I, I, I do not plan to have Mr. Kumar back on the program, just so you know. That having been said, you've been listening to 
Episode 103 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program is produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, Simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier the Tenth. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, March 8th, 2022.